Hello and welcome to the Beyond Your Research Degree podcast by the University of Exeter Doctoral College. Hello and welcome to the latest episode of Beyond Your Research Degree. I'm your host Kelly Priest and in this episode I'm going to be talking to one of my colleagues from the University of Birmingham, Dr Holly Prescott, about her career beyond her research degree. Holly, are you happy to introduce yourself? Yeah, sure. So uh, I'm Holly Prescott. Um, I did my PhD at the University of Birmingham. I did it between 2008 and 2011. It's tough to get my head around the fact that it's nearly 10 years since I finished. Um, My PhD was a crossover between literature and cultural geography. So I was looking at the um, effective a narrative agency of abandoned spaces in contemporary British fiction. Um, And um, once I'd completed that, I felt like I'd taken research as far as I wanted to take it. Um, So uh, from then I've kind of forged a career in what we might call higher education professional services. And I'm currently careers advisor for postgraduate researchers at the University of Birmingham. That's amazing. Um, I just want to pick up on a phrase that you used there, which I thought was really interesting, which is that you came to the end of the PhD and you'd taken research as far as you wanted to take it. Can I ask you a little bit more about what you mean by that? Absolutely, yeah. (laughs) Um, I think what I mean by that would be in comparison to how I felt after I finished my master's degree so I did a taught MA um, in literature and culture at the University of Lancaster and I just got really into it got really into my dissertation and one of the main reasons I progressed the PhD was because after I'd done that MA dissertation I thought I'm not done yet I felt like there was more mileage in the uh, ideas um, and, and, and the research I was doing so just to give you some context my master's dissertation was looking at um, urban exploration photography Um, so where people go into abandoned buildings take photographs display them online and especially of maternity hospitals and crossover between the online display of these uh, images of these abandoned maternity hospitals and and birth narratives Um, and uh, yeah I felt like um, the more I was reading, the more I was seeing abandoned hospitals, especially cropping up in um, in, the, in novels that I was um, looking at and thought, I, I think there's more I can get out of this. Um, and that was one of the main reasons I went on to the PhD. Um, something I think kind of served me relatively well throughout the PhD process though was that I always treated the PhD like a fixed term job if you like I was very lucky uh, and privileged to have funding from a research council but I knew yeah I treated it really as kind of a fixed term job Um, and when I was coming towards the end of it felt where after my master's I thought I still feel like there's some mileage in these ideas. I want to keep going with the research. That sort of came to a natural end for me. 
um, as I was going through the PhD. So it was actually in my second year that I really started to think I will probably do something different after this um, and started to, on a small scale, explore what that something different might be. Yeah, I think that's really interesting. And just that kind of concept of the research coming to sort of its or your your motivation coming to that natural conclusion. Um, so what when you kind of were in your second year and you were starting to investigate what that might be, how, how did you go about that? How did you go about the process of going what else is there and what might what might be suitable for me? Mm. I think it's important to point out that I don't think I did this completely consciously, right? I don't think this was, <laughs> yeah, a conscious, purposeful career planning process. I don't think my line of, it's very difficult, isn't it, to put yourself back in a past situation, actually think what your line of thought was. But I don't think it was, oh, I have to start career planning now, so I'm going to try some things and see what's right for me. It was much more, um, it was much more, I don't think I'm going to be continuing with research after this. So feeling like that gave me the freedom to dip my toe into a couple of other things, um, try some things out. And I think another big part of it was what I was naturally drawn to. I think what I ended up doing from second year onwards was following my interests a lot more. Um, so just to put that into some context, my interests ended up being things like teaching, anything where I was in an advisory, working in an advisory capacity, um, anything where I was doing things like uh, training or mentoring other people. Um, those were the things that I was naturally drawn to. Uh, so that meant I picked up quite a bit of undergraduate teaching, some master's level teaching as well. Um, it meant that I um, worked as a postgraduate student ambassador uh, in my, the postgraduate recruitment office. So helping organise postgrad open days, doing campus tours, things like that. And it was actually that part time role that led to my first full-time job after the PhD as well. Uh, and then some other things I did um, were, I did a stand-up comedy course, random, I know, um, but that has been so useful um, in my work now because I felt like if I can stand up in front of the Lamp Tavern in Dudley and tell jokes, I can probably cope with any audience um, that will ever be thrown at me in any job. So, um, yeah, that, that was what I did. I, I think it was that I became very aware quite quickly about what, um, what I was drawn towards, what I wanted to do more of. So when I spotted opportunities like those, I took them um, as much as I could. Um, and it was doing that that ended up, especially the postgrad ambassador work, it ended up really showing me how broad the range of university-based careers is um, and started to spark the thought in me of, well, if I do still want to be student-facing, I want to be teaching or advising students in some way, I still want to be in a university environment, and I want to keep that feeling of being 
an expert in something, someone people come to um, for, for expertise in a certain area. It would, that was when I started to realise there were other avenues that could give me that, that weren't traditional academic research or teaching. Yeah, and I think the things that I'm really picking up on there is uh, follow it, following your interests and, and continuing to do the things that interest you because they will they will lead you to kind of something that's more perhaps more fitting to mm. your interests and values um but also kind of getting involved with stuff uh, raises your awareness it raises your awareness of what other opportunities and what other options there are available to you career-wise because I think you know I I was an academic for seven years six years six years mm. um, and you know, until I decided I didn't want to do that anymore and started signing up for job alerts, even working as an academic, I didn't really have a concept of the breadth of professional services and all of sure. the things that you could do within a university that weren't being an academic. It's so important mm. to do that. And can I can I give another example, Kelly, just while so whilst you picked that, you've picked up what I think was important there about saying about following your interests. I think two points here. Number one, I was a bit naughty really in my PhD because I would find myself regularly shirking my research to prepare teaching <laughs> and, 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 and to seek out and, and to like do more open days and things like that. Um, and at the time I felt bad for that, but really it was a very important <laughs> message I was giving myself. I was sort of, telling myself where I drew my energy um, but also another example of what you say about following your interests so um, a couple of years ago and I think it's going on for about three years ago now I was working with um, a PGR um, she had a kind of physics physical sciences background um, and had done a really interdisciplinary PhD and um, she had done a similar thing so she knew very early on she was very interested in communication just in general whether it was communication of science communication of research communication of ideas whatever it was so she decided to wherever there was a communication theme and she had the time and the ability to explore that she ended up doing some media training she ended up um getting involved in a podcast. She ended up making some videos um, about her research. And she just purely did that because that was where, you know, that was where her interest lay. She just really enjoyed those things. When she came to graduate, through talking to a friend, she learned about a role that was um, being advertised um, that was in a microscope company. And the job pretty much involved interviewing scientists to find out how they used this equipment and um, how they use the applications that this company created. And that's not even a job she would have known was a job. But by taking those opportunities and doing those trainings, she'd made she'd accidentally made herself an ideal candidate for a job that suited her really well but that she didn't know was a job. And I just love that as a kind of career planning model, if you like, in the fact that it's not a plan. 
She didn't identify a type of job and aim for it. She just developed herself in the ways that she was most interested and it accidentally made her a great candidate for, for jobs that suited her. Um, so I thought, yeah, I really rate that as a strategy. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think our um, Kate Foster at Exeter is called is said to me that's called like planned happenstance or something. Mm. Like it's it, a it's a yeah, yeah. or a theory. And I think it's it is so important because I've I had a very similar experience in that I was involved in my national kind of subject area network, um, dance HG. Mm. And through that, set up an, a, a network for early career researchers because I was one of two early career researchers heavily involved in it. And, and we didn't really know anyone at other institutions other than each other. And we wanted to have that support system. And actually, that was a huge thing when I applied for the role that I'm in now as a research development manager that worked in my favour, because actually that's the kind of stuff that my role now is doing. Um, and it was a really right. crucial experience um that fed directly into the work that I'm doing now but it was kind of a, a a side hustle kind of I just want to do this and like you something I was taking taking time out of my quote unquote day job um to do and I think lots of us do that and I really like how you're talking about the importance of acknowledging and reflecting on mm. those, those instincts and those pathways and those things that you're drawn to Mm. I, I think it's like any aspect of life, whether it's, you know, whether it's academic, professional, relationship, family linked. If you keep doing something, if you keep being drawn to a pattern of behaviour, you're being drawn to that pattern of behaviour for a reason. Um, and uncovering those reasons can unlock a lot of nuggets for you, I think. Yeah, it can. And, it you know, it really ties into all of that stuff that we talk about in our respective roles about kind of self-awareness and reflecting on your values and all of that sort of stuff. Mm. And like you, I've always done that kind of unconsciously, I guess, um, through my career. But actually, you put yourself ahead of the game if you actually engage with all of those processes and all of those resources, because you learn about yourself and what you're drawn to and what interests and excites you and that can yeah. kind of step ahead to thinking about okay so where where does this fit you know in career-wise sector-wise mm. and, and I think that reflection can also perhaps save you some stress in the long run because especially when we're talking about postgraduate researchers you know I really appreciate that not everybody has the time no, exactly space to to say yes to these extra things so I think it's a balance um, and if you are someone who is juggling your postgraduate research with a, a hefty pile of other responsibilities and challenges and um, the more you can do to 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 be very strategic um, in, in the few opportunities that you do take the better um, so you don't feel the pressure to have to say yes to all of these things but you're just investing in the few things that are going to develop you 
in the line of, of how you think you want to develop. This is why I, you know, I, I, I do think career planning is very outdated uh, in terms of deciding you want to be something and then planning in a very linear way to actualize that plan. I think jobs are, jobs are being born and dying at a rate that is too fast for that to be an effective strategy anymore. Um, but, but what I do think is that if you just have some idea about how you want your doctoral experience to develop you and to use that to be strategic in the things you say yes and no to, that can save you, I think, some conflict and some stress to, to grant yourself the permission to say no to things that don't fall within that. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. And yeah, I, I'm really interested about what you said about this kind of career management, career planning thing being being outdated because I my experience is that kind of I came to this knowledge area kind of after I'd made some quite dramatic decisions in my career to kind of stop being an academic and actually looking at it, it helped me contextualize the decisions that I'd made but I'm not sure if I'd have someone had put the career management cycle in front of me I'd necessarily have still made those decisions it but it it on reflection helped me understand that I was actually following my my values and my interests and my motivation mm. um so can you tell us a bit more about what you're doing now and how that kind of fits in with kind of you following those those interests and those passions during your research degree. Yeah, definitely. So, um, so as well as my day job uh, being the careers advisor and postgraduate researchers at uh, University of Birmingham, I keep a PhD careers blog. Uh, it's called Postgradual. Um, it's phd-careers.co.uk to give a shameless plug um, and in on the blog um, I talk quite a bit about a, a thought experiment that I'm quite a fan of um, that really is a is me putting into words something that I was doing unconsciously through this process of what led me to what I do now so obviously what I do now is I support postgraduate researchers with their um, career development and we're taking their next steps um, but it's taken me a while to come around to this and it's taken me a while to realize that this was um, that, that this role was dealing with the problems in the world that I wanted to solve. But what I feel like I have done, and this is something I encourage other people to do, is so from coming out of the PhD into the first role I was in, which was working in postgraduate student recruitment, there were things about that that I really enjoyed. So the first thing to say was um, having done part-time work with them, during my PhD gave me an easy out, right? That was a, an easy step sideways into doing some work that was academic adjacent, if you like. I knew the team, I'd worked for them before. Um, so that gave me a nice segue into my first proper job after the PhD. As I was going through that job, I 
started to more consciously think about what were the bits of it that motivated me the most and it was anything where I was advising people it was anything where prospective students were coming to me as an expert as, as somebody who had been a postgraduate and wanting to ask questions about the experience the application process being hungry for information and I was the one that could give it to them I really liked being in that situation and um, I really enjoyed being the person who made people feel more confident more reassured with taking their next steps those were things that really lit me up but the bits of it I wasn't so enamoured with were only being able to promote one opportunity to them, which was postgraduate study um, and, and, and the kind of salesy aspect of the role. I quickly realised that the conversations I wanted to be having with these people were more impartial um, conversations about what would really be right for them in their next steps. So what I was doing here, semi-consciously, was asking myself, if I was going to turn my current job into my ideal job, what bits of it would I want to keep? What aspects of it would I want to lose? And what kinds of activities or things might I want to add to it that I'm not doing at the moment? And I think I was doing that throughout the PhD as well. I just didn't realise it. Because when I think when I was going through the PhD, I was thinking I want to keep working in a university environment. I want to keep this advisory teaching um, authority kind of figure but I wanted to lose working on my own a lot um, and I wanted to add more contact with a broader range of people in my work and I wanted to add a bit more kind of work-life separation um, so I guess what led me from the PhD to where I am now is this iterative process of each role that I took, keep asking myself, what do I want to keep? What do I want to lose? What do I want to add? And it's that that actually led me to undertake a professional qualification in career guidance, um, take a sideways move to do a secondment um, into the careers service, which is how I got in originally. Um, that was originally a six-month secondment, and I ended up establishing it as a permanent role. Um, and then once I was in, then again asking myself those questions, and what I knew I wanted to add was then specifically working with researchers. So, so far, I feel like my career has been this iterative process of keep asking myself those three questions. What do I want to keep? What do I want to lose? What do I want to add? And I think I will always be doing that um, throughout my career. And it's something I would really encourage people, especially postgrad researchers, to, to think about and to bring into their consciousness. Because I think too often we can fixate on the idea that we have to solve our entire lives with our first post-PhD job, right? Especially if we're going to be jumping out of academia into something else. We can think, well, what if I don't like it? What if the job's terrible, etc.? you're not trying to solve your whole life with your next job. You're just trying to take the next step in this iterative process. You're just trying to think, what do I want to add next? What do I want to lose next? Um, and making those small incremental changes towards something that, that takes more of your boxes. I hope that's answered the question. But that is my best 
way of describing the process that I've gone through from PhD to where I am now. It has, and I think it's hit on a really, really um, insightful bit of advice, which is the thing about not, you know, you're not solving your whole life. You're not kind of committing to something forever in mm. your post-PhD. I think that's that's a, such an important point to make because actually, you know, careers evolve over time and, you know, you discover you discover interests that you didn't necessarily know you had. I mean, through doing some of the kind of community based work with PGRs, I've become really interested in equality and diversity. And I'm actually going on secondment shortly to do um, a role looking at um, inclusive research and research cultures. You know, that's <gasps> when I was an academic, I would never have imagined Mm. That, as a route that I would take them but it's something that's evolved throughout the process of doing different roles and engaging with different projects mm. and communities and, and so that's why I think what you're saying is really crucial because we discover new things our interests change over time mm. as well you know that none of these things are static so thinking about that first job post PhD isn't kind of deciding what you will be doing forever it's deciding kind of what what the next step is yeah yeah absolutely I I know I I didn't I didn't ping straight out of my PhD dying to be a careers advisor Um, and I I, I only mean that kind of partially irreverently (laughs) (laughs) yeah but it's something it's like it's as if I was going through my first couple of post PhD jobs gathering these breadcrumbs that were giving me clues as to that was what was going to to help me make people feel the way I wanted them to feel support the way I wanted to support people and to be working with the groups of people that I wanted to make a difference to. Thanks so much to Holly for taking the time to speak to me and for giving some really fantastic insight about following your interests your values using your intuition but also fundamentally not seeing that first job post-research degree as it as the culmination or the the end point of your career actually it's about finding something that's interesting and gathering those breadcrumbs as holly said to find the right thing for you And that's it for this episode. Join us next time when we'll be talking to another researcher about their career beyond their research degree. 